0: Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. As many people um, go away as we had this year, it's so a to be strange, but it's cool to see lots of people back. It's good to see some familiar faces um, as well, and and can't wait to catch up after uh, after the experience. And, and I hope that. Um, I just want to highlight that heavy lift is, um, is we, we don't get freshers about, oh, you haven't served before, so you're not allowed to come. Because what we love doing is sharing a vision of the house, what is taking place, where we are going, and for you to make an informed decision about whether this is somewhere where you can uh, serve, that you can be a part of, and you can get behind the vision. There's nothing worse for, for Beck and myself to have people coming in who do not catch the heart of their, who do not catch what we're trying to do. And and they end up saying, you know, I feel so disconnected, I feel um, like I don't I don't fit and all that kind of stuff. It's we we know that we're not a church for every single person. We will like to welcome every single person, we will love to accept every single person, but we understand that the expressions of God's kingdom are so varied and live church might not be uh the, the, the place that God's called you uh, to be and to serve, and that's cool, we still love you, you can still be part of kingdom in the wider sense. We be distant cousins, and um, uh, and yeah, cool, we love you. So come, be a part of it, it's going to be good fun, uh, make and I have planned, it's, it's going to be interactive, because it's, it's straight after lunch on a Sunday hour, uh, that is normally my nap time, just to let you know. and so I want it to be fun, I don't want it to be one of those like, oh my gosh, that guy can talk, and he loves the sound of his own voice. I'm not one of those people, I hope. <laughs> I'm good at my no, Anyway, cool. Talking about um, no regrets. Week 3. How many people have been enjoying the series so far? Yeah, yeah. Who remembers what we talked about in week 1? <laughs> we did talk about Jesus and we talked about one tool about um, um, having a year without regrets. And that first tool, anyone can you remember what that first tool was? Stepping out of isolation. Alright, maybe last week wasn't too long ago for you guys. Do you remember what Pastor Dex spoke about last week? Yes, I can hear a little bit is risk-taking. God smiles on our risk-taking. When we make decisions, we need to ensure that we're not doing it in isolation. We need to ensure that there's a certain amount of risk that we take uh, and that is involved in our decision-making process. And today I want to talk about goal setting. I was expecting a share. So, because goal setting is very sexy. And it's so exciting to talk about goal setting. We're going to talk about smart goals, we're going to talk about them. we're not going to talk about any of that. Um, there's something about goal setting that I've always naturally been inclined to do. Um, And in terms of goal setting, I love plans. I love to be extremely planned. I used to love five-year plans and 10-year plans. And when you are growing up and then you're a child or teenager, five-year plans are quite doable because you'll be in school. And so as I was growing up, especially in Singapore where things tend to be really structured and they tend to be, okay, this is what happens, and this is what what happens, uh, you can know for sure that those plans will come to pass. More or less. And so I, I set myself targets, I'm like, you know, I'm gonna uh, get through school, I'm gonna go to that other school, and and all that kind of stuff. And I hit those targets. I was pretty good at goal setting um, in that kind of way. But through that, I also set myself a couple of goals um, that I failed terribly at. One of those goals was to um, be married by 21, I think. So one of my goals. That didn't happen, felt miserably, ball of flames. <coughs> and the other goal was to um, to be a really, really young pastor. Now, I know a lot of you think I'm really young, and, and, and that, thank you, <laughs> <laughs> But I had a senior pastor who literally, I think he became a pastor at age 19. And so for me, I was like, that's a good goal to have. That's a really good goal to have. And uh, I, I became a ordained pastor at age 24, which is still quite young. Um, but I've missed the target by five years. And it's kind of a story of my life. I got married at 20. How old am I now? 27. 26, 27. So five, I'm about five, six years away from all of my goals at the moment. So... Yeah, it was kind of like oh, thank you Meg. <laughs> they just went like yeah, that's right you go Favorite life <laughs> so
1: for anyone like that
0: you know you set really strict goals you like oh you like to you like you like to plan you like to know this is where I'm gonna go those are the targets I am going to hit yeah yeah a lot of people like that I know uh, I'm definitely I, I'm a very uh, yes by this stage we are going to be here yeah, that's what we of a thing. and I've learned that that is um, a dangerous way of goal setting. <coughs> Why is it a dangerous way of goal setting? Because I've just let you in in a very quick way, but there are many goals and targets that are completely out of your control. Yeah. Completely and utterly out of your control. And what happens when you set goals and targets that are completely and utterly out of your control, is that you end up thinking that you're an absolute failure, And you end up thinking that you are not good enough. You end up thinking that, there are, that there's some kind of problem with you. And you start questioning whether you're in the right position, whether you're in the right place, whether you're heading uh, for the right goals, or maybe there are different things that need to be changed in your life. So, you know, in in a strange way, when you talk to young people, and and nowadays people are getting married later, and and, and they hit, like, 18, and they haven't got a girlfriend or boyfriend yet, and, like, maybe God's intended for me to be single for the rest of my life. You know, you you know people like that. And it's kind of like, you are 18. (laughs) You are fine. I mean, there are things in our lives where it's not in your control, but because we become so obsessed with those goals and targets, Sometimes we become crippled. Sometimes we really make decisions that we regret. Sometimes we even get so caught up with those things that we end up overlooking a whole bunch of stuff that we are meant to be stewarding and doing. And so I wanna talk to you about goal setting today. And I wanna talk to you about goal setting not from the lens of fruitfulness, but from the lens of seedfulness. There's a word that I did not come I wish I was that smart, but I heard it last year, and it's really stuck with me. It's something that really makes sense. Fruitfulness is something that we are naturally attracted to. Anyone here doesn't want to be fruitful. Everyone wants to have a life of productivity. Everyone wants to have a life that means something. Everyone wants to know that I've produced something in my life. Psychology through the years have proven that if a person doesn't live a productive life, when they reach the end of their life, they're going to go, what was that all about? They're going to have regrets. And that's what we're talking about. We don't want people to live with regrets. But at the same time, a strange thing is that I think we are wired to desire fruitfulness. And that's something that we need to be very aware of. We have a heart wiring inside of us to be fruitful. Right from the beginning of time, God created Adam and Eve, and what did he tell them? Be fruitful. Fruitful and multiply, yes, that was in a very physical sense, and uh, that's something that God desires for all of us, that's how we approach it, just so that you guys know. <laughs> but At the same time, God goes on to say, can conquer the whole earth, place it under your control. The fruitfulness that I believe that God has intended for mankind is not just simply fruitfulness in a physical kind of a way, I believe it's in an oversight, in a leadership, in a stewardship kind of way. I believe that that's something that God has uh, desire for us and requires of us. When Jesus walked on this earth, he said that our fruit is going to be what people judge us on. And then he says that God desires for us to be very fruitful. And he talks many times about being fruitful. And I think that that's something that we need To to understand that yes, sometimes if something is not bearing fruit, or if you are bearing the wrong kind of fruit, then maybe there needs to be some decisions around that. But what I've also learned is that my goal setting is not about fruitfulness. My goal setting is based on what I can and should control. And what I can and should control is not the fruit, it's the seed. It's not the fruit, it's the seed. Setting a goal to be fruitful is like a fruit tree saying this year I'm going to have a hundred fruit and you know what? I'm going to beat everyone else by pushing out an orange three months before harvest time just to prove that I'm fruitful. The tree's not able to do that. And if that fruit comes out three months before, it's probably going to be crap fruit. You know, the first fruit we have a mandarin tree and the first harvest of it is terrible what is this? Are you a grapefruit? Or are you a mandarin? You are so sour, even lemons are not as sour as you. This is not its right time, it's not the right season for it. But what determines fruitfulness is what we do in the sea. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. And we're going to talk about it through our parable that we've been covering for this series in Matthew 25, 14 to 30. I'm going to give you a quick recap version because we have been using it the last couple of weeks. Basically, a master has three servants. I just wanna make a quick point about this, uh, because um, as I spoke about week one, if you want a longer explanation of this, servants in a Jewish mindset, slaves are different from what we understand as slaves. We understand slaves as a person that is oppressing, that is taking away the rights of someone else. But slavery in Jewish culture is a benevolent, is a gracious position. It's saying you owe me money, but you can't pay me back, so I'm going to take you into my household, and you're going to be my slave. I'm going to feed you, uh, feed you as long as you're in my house, give you shelter, give you bed. Uh, I'm not going to mistreat you. You get every seventh day off, and then on the seventh year, not only do you stop being my slave, not only are you free, but the debt that you owe me is. Completely Wiped off. That is a Hebrew mindset about slavery. It's a gracious benevolent uh, position. And so these three slaves, we can understand that they owed this master a debt that they could not pay. They owed their master a debt that they could not pay. And the master had graciously takes them into his household. And then the master was going to go away on a long trip. And what he does is that he divides his money amongst the free. Bible um, tells us that one got five talents, one had two talents, and one had one talent. Now, in our mindset again, talent uh, um, is is a bit of a throw. Like, like we don't know what it necessarily means. I did some research this week. A talent is the largest denomination of money that was available to um, uh, to the Romans back in the day in, in the Jewish custom. And some scholars say that it could be worth up to twenty years of a common worker's wage. 20 years is it's most like uh, an easy way to think about it is that the master gave one of the slaves five million dollars, one two million dollars, and one one million dollars. So you don't go to the one calendar man and say, Oh, you poor thing, you had a million dollars. You know, the people that say one more power ball and i out here? He got that power ball. took him out of there. That's where he was at. That's what God, that's what the master had to him. And so what the three slaves did, two of them. Double what they had gotten. Five talent man became ten talent man. Two talent man became four talent man. And then one talent man, he did something completely different from the other two. He took that uh, one talent, buried it in the soil, covered it up, and waited for the master to return. The master returns, and he asks for uh, to, uh, an account of what they did with his money. And the uh, first two servants come up to him, and they say, uh, Master, we have doubled what you gave to me. And the master says this, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. With a few things I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Remember what we what I said about how these people came to the master's household. He was not a hard man, he was a gracious man. There was a disconnect in this person's heart. And he, uh, and he goes on to say, So I was afraid and went out "'and hid your gold in the ground. "'See, here is what belongs to you.' "'His master replied, "'You wicked, lazy servant, "'so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown "'and gather where I have not scattered seed. "'Well, then you shall put my money on deposit "'with the bankers, so that when I return, "'I would have received it back with interest.' "'So take a bag of gold from him "'and give it to the one that has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them, and thrown a worthless servant outside, into the darkness, where they will be weeping and gnashing teeth. Especially how this story ends scares me. How do I know whether to be fruitful enough? How do I know whether I have reached that bar where I'm getting beyond what the Master's wrath is going to be on? You know, it sounds a little bit scary, and I think as Christians, when we read this passage, it, it does bring to mind God has given us stuff. God has given us gifts. God has given us talents. I 100% believe it. I think Romans 5.9, it says, I think, I think it's Romans 5.9, but some man says the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. God has given each and every single one of us gifts. And now we are in that same phase that the servants are in where the master is not physically here. We don't have Jesus in a physical body walking around us. And, and, And so we are entrusted in this season with what we do, with what God has given to us. If you will, that is a seed. God has given each and every one of us seed. And why I call it seed is because it's not fruit. It is not the end point. It is something that has potential within it. A ton of potential. But that potential is not realized until we do something with it. And what I realized in my life is that sometimes I'm waiting for God to bring breakthrough into my life. There are things that I want to see happen and I'm praying to God. For example, Beck and we had a house on the market for about four months, and previous to that we had it on for a whole year. And and, and please pray with us because apparently we're gonna get an offer today. Apparently, wow. we're to get I know, been a long journey for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much. Yes. You know, I'm waiting for it to happen, but and sometimes it feels like God's truthfulness is not upon my life. And it feels like it sucks a little bit. It feels like, why am I waiting so long? But what would happen if I was preparing my house for sale but I did nothing with it? And it's like, come on, God's fruitfulness should be my life. I leave my house like a pigsty. I leave it utterly alone. I don't do anything with it. And it's dirty, it's disgusting, you walk in, it smells. Am I gonna sell the house? What have I done? I'm taking the potential the potential of what god has placed in my life that has has a potential to be a real blessing to to of myself it has already been a blessing to make myself and to the people that we've managed to, uh, to get around using our house but if i treated that seed like it was rubbish like like it wasn't what i wanted it to be it's easy when you look at the seed it's like why are you not fruit why are you not where I need you to be? And that's the problem with fruitfulness if it becomes all that we're captured by. But when I see that I've got a seed, I'm going to look after it. I'm going to give it the right conditions. Two of the three servants, they recognized that what they had received was potential, was seed. And what they did with it is that they put it to work. They put it into the right conditions and they doubled the investment that was given to them. Now, the third servant, he also received seed. He received one talent, 20 years of age, all in one shot. He looked at that seed and he buried it in the ground, covered it up, and then he simply waited. The master came back, he dug it up. Is there any surprise that money didn't multiply while it was in the ground? No, there was a real problem here. That servant didn't understand the seed that the master had given to him. That seed was not meant for the ground. He put it into the wrong conditions and therefore got no return out of it. But beyond not even getting a return, it's interesting because the passage that I, that I read out, the master says you should in the message version, which is another translation that makes it a little bit easier to understand, the master says to this slave, you did less than the least. You did less than the least. By burying that money in the ground, you did less than the least. Now that was a little bit confusing to me until recently, I did a finance course. And I learned about something fascinating called the kind value of money. All the accounts are like, oh yeah, that, that's my day. <laughs> time value of money. It was really boring. <laughs> <laughs> but the time value of money goes like this: your money sitting in your wallet decreases in value over time, even though it remains the same amount. The time value of money is locked in. Basically, you can talk to the accountants about how right I am, or. Uh, or, or, or they can explain it so much further, but uh, what, what the have put together is that if I put my money into a bank and they give me interest on it that is going to be the base level because the banks are stingy the banks are going to give you the least possible for you, and so when you don't even go to the least because how much effort is it to put your money in a bank nowadays you get paid electronically you go straight in we set up a savings account so that when we get paid, immediately uh, money goes straight to our savings. And then every month that we don't touch it, it grows. It's like wow, amazing! It's less, it's it's the least amount of effort to grow our money. And so, theorists have said that is the time value of money. If the banks are going to give you two percent uh, interest and you do nothing about your money, your money actually decreases in value because it's meant to be more next year. Now, if you've got ten dollars and you don't put it in, the interest rate that you would have gotten is maybe 20 cents in a whole year, it doesn't sound like much. But when you know that the master gave that seven, one million dollars, and was expecting 2% interest, that's $20,000 a year. Is that more, is this more, am I wrong? I have 20,000 year. thank you. $20,000 a year, you it over that period of time he was away, that master could have gotten maybe an extra hundred thousand dollars just because the seven put the seed in the right soil yeah. and so when the master came back and saw that the seed had remained exactly the same way he said you did the least you did the least no in fact he said you did less than the least and that really started to get me into thinking I believe with my seed. See, the thing that we need to recognize is that seed has a soil that allows it to grow. Money goes in the bank if you want to get something out of it. It doesn't go on the ground. It gives the talent that God has given to you it has got so much potential. I, I, I hundred percent believe that each and every one of us have been given what we need. The Bible confirms this. God says, I will provide for all the needs, according to the riches in glory. You know what that means? God is above all in terms of glory, which means that the provisions that he has for you is more than ever need. In fact, he goes on to say, I will give you everything you need for a godly life. You can read about that. One meter, two meter. God says it again and again, I will provide the base and the absolute the absolute least, you will have the basis. And then I love that in Ephesians, it it, it says that God is able to give above and beyond, exceedingly, abundantly, above everything I could imagine. And that sometimes makes me think, when? When? And God says, see. See. It's in there. It's in your hands. You see, if God gave us fruit, Without needing us to work on the seed, we'll become lazy Christians. And guess what? I think I've met lazy Christians in my life. I think I've been a lazy Christian in my life expecting that the fruitfulness would come just because God is good. Well, God is better good, and that's why He knows that lazy Nate is crap Nate. Lazy Nate is good for nothing except sitting on his bum and playing pizza. I still do that. It's still a good way. For these guys, but I do a lot more than that. Because I've got seed. God has given me something of immense value and potential. And God has given each and every single person a seed of immense potential. The job for us is not to look out for where the fruit is. The job is for us to recognize oh my God. I've got something of immense value. As you think about 2018, as you think about this next season in your life, are you looking for fruitfulness? If you are fantastic, there's nothing wrong with dreaming. there's nothing wrong with having faith. But more importantly, I believe in today's day and age, we need to become fruitful people. We need to become people that understand, recognize God's goodness, well, too often, when I talk to young people, especially, in fact, when I talk to people in general, and I say, "What is has got you in your hands? So many people say, "I do I know? I don't know. Maybe you're sitting in this room and you're saying, if you ask me that right now, mate, I will say, I don't know. In fact, maybe some of you will even say, I don't think God's are asking me to do You know what's going on there? You're climbing to the fact that you have got sick.
1: Right now, you might
0: be the one that third servant, you're taking what God has given to you, and Saying, i don't know what to do with this thing i'm going to put it there and then the right kind comes and just give it back because i don't know what to do with it and then are people that have got amazing calls going in their lives and you just can't even see that there's something beautiful something powerful residing within their souls residing within their lives residing, residing within their power they can i think I can't control how fruitful I'm going to be. But I can control the conditions I get my seed. Another thing that i learned learn about seed, and it's taught again and again in the Bible, is that seed dies. It's a really interesting thing. God gives us seed and he says, you need to do something about it. And I, I think there's something about what that looks like that we need to know. In 1 Corinthians 15 36 and 38, it says, How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed. Perhaps a wheat or something else, but God gives it the body as He has determined, and to each kind of seed He gives it its own body. I read this comic ages ago. When I was a child, and it <laughs> was <laughs> a story about how an alien comes to Earth. An alien comes to Earth. And the thing that this alien picks up is a seed. Because for this alien, it's like
1: amazing. This
0: seed. What these humans do with the seed is that they they, 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 have these trees that produce fruit every year out of this little thing. And so this alien picks up the seed, goes back to the port of the mothership, and, and he goes to the mothership and says, "Within this seed is immense potential. Within this seed is a potential port never ending fruit. And then all the aliens are all like, that's oh, so exciting! How do you get it to do that? And then the animal goes, well, what the humans do is that they take it and then they bury it. And all the rest of the aliens go, like, what? What kind of people will take this potential and bury it alive? I say, yeah, 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 but that's not, that's not all. The humans then take water and pour it over the thing, over the sea. They said, what, so they it alive, and then they drown it? it, and, they a, and, and then they take, like, cow dung and they put it on top of it. See how wrong? The rest of the aliens, they did not believe it. that that's what they needed to do, so they took the sea and they put it in this container. and said, you need to keep this. It's an interesting thing. That I would see that even when we recognize it, we go through a season of burying it alive, a season of drowning it, a season of throwing dung at it. It doesn't reach the full potential unless it grows through trials. If you want your seed to grow, it's gonna have to go through some times. trials. Some of you might have a gift of, of preaching you're going to have the very few trials, much like me. I remember one of the first times I played. I played a youth group. My youth group, there were like 30, 30 uh, kids. Oh, yeah. I played really excited about it. I picked. I thought I did really well. Um, and, uh, and I was like, yeah, yeah, awesome. I've got this here. Look at my seed, Look at my group. And then uh, my new pastor calls me aside after that. This is where his picture was. So what were you thinking? <laughs>
1: you know you've not done a good
0: job, man. Ask me what we're I love my youth class there, even right now. It's also very much spectacular. What, what do you mean? I just gave my old. I was just bleeding vulnerable out there, and gave my teams like You tuned out about 45 minutes ago. <laughs> you have some great points, but no one was listening. I think he might have said I wasn't even listening. <laughs> I've seen sometimes where we are first using it. We are the one to take the it And it's not necessarily going to be a 100% natural. It's not. Some kind of, I, I, I need people on the heart in God's pocket. just so like, difficult. Isn't it making natural God's given to me that's in my view of No. Jesus Salvation. You know how salvation came about? In dying. I'm glad that my seed doesn't require me to go through crucifixion and then go on to hell and then coming back to life before it is made manifest for the I'm glad that my seed is just sometimes repassed pastors coming up to me and saying, What the hell are you thinking? <laughs> I'll bear that been?" Because my seed needs a little bit of hell going through it. It needs to get drowned every now and then. It needs to get put through difficult trials and situations every now and then. So that I know that the potential that is erupting out of me today is not out of my own doing, it's God's grace in my life. He is doing something amazing in me simply because I'm giving the seed that he gave me the right conditions for it to be fruitful. In 2018, as we go beyond zero. My prayer is that you have a fruitful year, You have an amazing year. What my encouragement to you is to know what seed God has already you. I believe the body of Christ needs Christians that are not lazy, not wicked. The master called that last sermon lazy. I think that that is something that we need to listen up to. Because if we take the seed that God's given to us and we bury it in the wrong soil, it loses its value and its fitness. You know, in some of your lives, God's giving you a seed that is meant to bring salvation to your families. It's meant to bring salvation to many multitudes. Maybe it's meant to bring a healing gift into the body of Christ, a prophetic gift into the body of Christ, but maybe they'll leave people to worship. Or maybe it's just that. Do something with the lives of people that are evaluating and then keep it in the soil is to be wicked because God said you were the solution. You were the solution to that problem. You were meant to do something about that, but you were too insecure. You were too weak. You were too amazingly wicked. Let's call it for what it is. I've been amazingly wicked about things in my life. And I wanted to I'm still aware of progress. I'm not standing here as a person that has made it. I'm standing here as a person that is still walking through the steps that I need to walk through. But rather than put my eye on the three pillars that I can't control, I'm putting my eyes on the seat of which the conditions are in my control. It is my stewardship. It's interesting that the master gave the three servants the seat, and then he left. said, you do what? You do what? It was amazing because the first two servants, when they had done something to the city, the master came back and said, "Well done, enter into my rest." But it's really interesting because he says, "I'm going to give you more. I'm going to give you more." In another version of this story in John, the master actually says, "I'm now going to put you in charge of cities. I'm going to give you leadership of the cities." See, some of you. This sense, and I find that every one of you has this sense that inside of you is this desire to do something to in your life. To do something that is going to make the world go, wow. Sit up. Take those. I don't think any of us want to lead a life where We end up going like your nice. Because one thing I do not want on my team's life. I do not want to be nice. My youth class is in my Nice. I still don't know what that means. But I <laughs> But I don't want to be nice. I want to be a person that has maximized my faith. Maximize what God What sin have you got? To get the band up this morning. Well? What exactly what sin have you got? Because you already recognize the sins of God Ask yourself what are the conditions that I going to be wrong? What are the things that I can control that I can give, so that my seed is able to give through? Let me give you some things. Week one, we spoke about stepping out of isolation. If you know that you've got a seed let's say of preaching, if you get around preaching, you get around preachers. Find out how to preach. If you've got a gift of encouragement, ask people, how do I use my encouragement? Ask your friends, am I them my encouraging? If you've got a prophetic gift, fantastic. How are you using it? If you've got a pastoral gift, fantastic. How are you learning it? How are you growing it? Our gifts don't grow in isolation. and That's why we are part of the church. I love what Andre was saying. In live groups, quite often, what you find out, accountable for what? Accountable for whether you are using your seed life, whether you are homing the fish that God to you, Whether you are living a life that is ultimately going to lead to fruitfulness. Or are you just living, floating through life and saying, where is my fruit? Fruit is coming closer than you know. Sooner than you know. And you have to go through trials. That you know. That's definitely been my experience. My prayers want to see you, right? My prayers help you to see that the trials that you are going through, the difficulties, the discouragement might not necessarily be the reason for you to quit. It might be the reason for you to push off. you're still growing. God's giving your seed a body Going to bear fruit in the right season. I believe I'm speaking that prophetic. Some of you have started to give up. you started to give up on what God has placed in your life. you started to think this is too hard, this is too far, this is too, yeah, it costs too much. But I believe that even as I speak in this morning, there's a sense that God is beginning to see something else. You're beginning to see that there's a potential in the seed that has been given to you. Don't rubbish the seed. Don't bury it where it's not going to grow. Don't do less than the least. Come on, there's something great about you to run. But it needs to go through, a process. It needs to go through the seasons of holding and shaking. God, I pray right now over every person. I pray for every person that is discouraged. I pray for every person that was willing to give up. I pray for a strength and a supernatural uh, peace in their lives to let them know. That, hang on, there's something there, there's potential there, there is a seed there. I pray for wisdom to see what kind of seed that they've got. I pray for wisdom to be able to identify the gifts and the talents that you've placed in each and every life. And I pray for the courage to live out that seed, the courage to live out that seed. Come on, God, I know that nobody needs Christians who are activated, empowered, Living out what you have called us to do. And God, I pray that it starts now. It starts with the seeds that have already been given out, they have been distributed, they have been given to people that are able to control the conditions of those seeds. I pray for wisdom. I pray for great wisdom. I pray, God, for stickability and perseverance. I thank you that a fruit of the spirit that is not very sexy is long suffering. I pray that there will be a change that is long suffering. Pray that there are a church that doesn't give up in the first sign of trouble. But neither do we give up in the second time of struggle. But we don't give up until we know that the fullness of the potential that you place in us is coming to life. I pray for those who have words spoken over them that have taken away the gloss of your seed. I pray for those who have words spoken to them that taken away the power that might be given in the place in their life. I pray right now that there's a refreshing in their spirit to see see that you place something of it in their family. This morning I also want to invite anyone by Jesus into their life to say this prayer with me. One of the greatest seeds that God has given to us is Jesus. Why? Because we are sinners. We have fallen short of the standard that God has set. But yet, instead of just leaving us in that place, God sent Jesus, His only Son, Die in our place to give us that fresh start, to give us that new life. When Jesus came that we might have real the life, and eternal life, more and better life. And this morning I want to invite you into that life that God has given to us. So if you would like to say this prayer with me, every Christian in the you say this prayer as well. Just encourage me. This is something that we all do, this is something that we all need. Dear Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I know that i fallen But I know that you sent Jesus to die in my place. So I invite you into my life. Wash me clean and make me whole. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at liftchurch.com.au.